www.wgpf13.com or www.wgpf1350.com. Excuse me, got a little tongue tied there. Uh, I'm your host, Bishop Hodges, and welcome to the broadcast where we break down and discuss the dynamics of marriage and family relationships. As your reminder, God designed and instituted marriage and the family to build our society on. Sin entered the picture, warped God's original design, and became the source of all the negative that we see, hear, and feel in the world. The mission of Marriage and Family Clinic is to expose how sin has warped relationships and worked toward restoring, building, strengthening, and perfecting marriage and family relationships. Welcome once again. We've been dealing with finances and relationships for about three weeks now, trying to help our families and marriages get their finances together. And we're going to continue on this subject this week and maybe two or three more weeks. And uh, I'll probably have at least one more special guest on this subject also. I think it's really important. And I'm spending a lot of time on this subject because money is so key to sustaining our lives that uh, it's so key to sustaining our lives that we actually need money almost as much as we need food and air and water and uh, anything else that's necessary for life and to sustain life. We need money just that much. Some of you may be familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs and Maslow's theory is that at the very base and foundation of our needs is the need for security and shelter and food and all those things that are just basically necessary for life. Well, I think it's possible that Maslow may have missed one. He should have added money in the basic list of needs because without it, we just can't hardly make it. And now that I think about it, as a matter of fact, money may be in the list of basic needs after all. It's just not called money because in order to get shelter and food and water and, and protection, in order to get all of those things, you have to have money. And what we do is we transfer money into those things uh, through buying and selling. So it is there. All I'm saying to you is that money is just a basic need for life. Money is incredibly important. And since we're going to have this relationship with money for the rest of our lives, we just ought to learn how to handle money and grow money, manage money, use money, loan money, borrow money, invest, save money. We need to learn money. There is no harm learning money. God is not angry and upset because we learn how to deal with money. Quite the contrary, we stand a better chance at pleasing God when we deal wisely with our money. I'm going to get to that in just a few minutes here. Like any other relationship, our relationship with our money requires quality time invested in it in order to make it grow and prosper and be fulfilling. And if we invest the required quality time in our relationship with our money, our money will grow and we can arrange it to serve us rather than we serving it. It's all about knowing the purpose. You know, I look around and some of us have been taught our money habits by people who never had much money. And then some of us have been taught money habits by people who had money. Either way you go, the ones who taught you your money habits, they have a strong and heavy hand in helping you develop and form your expectations for money and even your outcomes of money. So whatever it is you're getting out of your money, if you're pleased or displeased, look back at who taught you your money habits. Where did those habits and principles come from? If you happen to be losing the money game, look back at your life and see where you learned your money habits from. 
You may have picked them up from someone who never had much, and that's determining your outcome. I want to help as many as I can by sharing some solid authoritative knowledge on how to manage your money. And like always, the most solid and authoritative knowledge that I know on any subject, including money, is the Bible, the Word of God. Yes, the Bible speaks to every aspect of your living, including your money. Uh, it just talks about you. You can't live it. You cannot experience it in life. You can't think it or feel it. And the Bible not speak to it in some way, in some fashion. And that includes your money. There are some lessons, some values, some principles, some attitudes that you must apply. And we find those in the Bible, the word of God. And I'm going to call these money must or money guiding principles. All right, let's talk about a few of them here in the time that we have. Principle number one, uh, sounds a little corny, but it's actually true. Principle number one, establish guiding principles. Uh, anything that guides you, it steers the direction you go in and determines how you behave in a given situation. A principle is a rule that has the force of law in your life. So a money guiding principle is a rule that has the force of law in your life and determines how you behave when dealing with your money. In any given money situation, you have a rule for living that determines how you behave. That's a guiding principle. And a biblical financial guiding principle is the rule for living in money, the rule for living and dealing with money that is drawn from the word of God. You know, I've recently started saying within my own self, if you don't establish a law for your money, your money will establish a law for you. Simply put, if you don't operate by sound money principles, and nothing is more sound than God's word, if you don't operate by sound money, biblically based principles, you will see your money leaving your life. Some people leave home in the morning with a pocket full of money, and by the time they return home in the evening, they don't know where all the money went. They didn't apply sound principles. What's the answer? You must establish laws for your money. Guiding principles. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. You have to establish a law for looking and dealing with your money. So principle number one, establish guiding principles. Principle number two. I think this is important. Money and material things are not the blessing. Money and material things are not the blessing. They're the manifestation of the blessing. They are the fruit of the blessing. And I don't mean to bust nobody's bubble, but for everyone who believes that God will just drop money out of the sky onto you, you're going to walk to the mailbox and find a check of money that and you don't know where it comes from. Uh, that just doesn't happen. And if you believe that you can live life that way, then you're missing God and you don't know God. We don't have a relationship with God so that we can chase money. We don't have a relationship with God so that we can develop the expectation that God will just drop money in our laps no matter how we choose to think and to feel and to handle money. 
the money, the car, the house. Those are not the blessing. The blessing is the relationship with God wherein he gives us the power and the wisdom to get the wealth. And that's from Deuteronomy 8 and 18. If you've never had a lot of money, you can't expect God to suddenly uh, uh, just drop money out of nowhere onto your left. You're just not familiar enough with it. You're going to blow it. And this is why we see people win millions and millions of dollars in the lottery and go broke. They don't have a mind to deal with a lot of money. So what we're telling you when we say, when we talk about developing biblically based guiding principles, we're talking about developing a mind to deal with it. And if you want God involved in your finances, develop a mind that will honor him and receive his wisdom and operate in his wisdom in your finances. Oftentimes we see people sign their names to a brand new car in which they've agreed to pay five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month or more for five, six or seven years. Then a few months down the road, they may not even be able to afford the monthly payments, may not even be able to afford maintenance, may not even be able to afford to put gas in the car. Why? Because they never should have purchased, purchased it in the first place. They didn't apply sound guiding principles to managing money. They made a decision based on feelings. They didn't rely on the power of God and the wisdom of God. Know what the blessing is. Know what the purpose of money is. And know that operate by this principle. Money and material things are not the blessing. Seek God and money just may follow. Principle number three. And here is once you realize that things are not the blessing, you need to go ahead and realize this also. Principle number three. I'm a steward, not an owner. I'm a steward, not an owner. If you're listening this evening, I wish you would just touch your heart and say, I'm a steward and not an owner. Everything belongs to God, including the money that we call our own. Haggai 2 and 8, God says, all the gold is mine, all the silver is mine. Psalm 24 and 1, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world is his, and everyone who dwells in it. Everything belongs to God. We need to shift from the mindset that we actually own anything. Well, I got this by working a job. The job you got comes from God. Here's the deal. God entrusts finances and other material things into our care. And we need to shift into a stewardship mindset. We are stewards, not owners. An owner entrusts the steward with possession of the owner's goods. The steward is responsible to watch over and care for the owner's goods. The steward's responsibility is to care for and manage the owner's good in a manner that will allow the steward to return the owner's goods to him or her in better shape than when the steward first received them. So whatever amount God entrusts us with, we are responsible to manage it, to care for it, to watch over it, and to increase it because we're going to give an account for our stewardship. And I know that's a nasty word, accountability. I know we don't like it, but it's true anyhow. A steward must give an account. And you will never have the mind that says, I must give an account, if you don't first develop the mind that says, I'm a steward. 
We are stewards. We don't own anything. Think about that. You're going to have to tell God how you dealt with the finances he entrusted to you. That was guiding principle number three. We are stewards and not owners. Guiding principle number four. Be determined to honor God with the goods he entrusted to you. Well, since I don't own them, God owns everything. And since I'm a steward responsible to care for God's stuff, then I ought to be determined in my mind and in my heart to honor God with the goods he entrusts to me. Proverbs 3 and 9 says to honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruit of your increase. In short, knowing God must influence how we handle money. Yes, that's worth repeating. Knowing God. I remember growing up, the whole folks said, have you got religion? If you have religion, don't get too deep on me. You know what I'm saying. If you claim to know God, and what you know about God does not heavily influence the way you deal with money, then you'd better look in the mirror and ask yourself whether or not you really know God. Knowing God must influence how you handle money. Knowing God means you always want to remember him first when you receive, when you give, when you dispense, when you make a promise, when you sign your name, however you handle money, put God first. Wow. Did you ever think about that? Put God first when you receive money. Put God first when you expend money. Giving to charity, put God first. Giving in church, put God first. Whatever it is you're going to purchase, put God first. And by all means, we need to be giving to church charity. If God influences your money, you're going to be working towards becoming a big time giver. Not only giving in church, not only giving tithes and offering, but giving to charity. When you see a brother or a sister, when you see your neighbor in need and you have to give to them, you have it to be a blessing to them and don't bless them, don't give to them. Hmm. Ask yourself whether or not you know God. Hugh Martin was a Scottish minister and theologian in the mid-1800s. Reverend Martin said, if a man's religion does not affect his use of money, that man's religion is in vain. And what is it about the way you use your money that says you honor God? What is it about the way you use money that says I'm putting God first? What is it about the way you use money that says you honor God, you remember God, you appreciate God, you praise God? What is it about the way that you use money? Can we look at your bank account? Can we look at your checking account and see how you honor God? It all belongs to him. He entrusts us with it. Now let's use it in a way that pleases him. I hope you're hearing me tonight. Listen, you're listening to Money and Family Clinic here on WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. Uh, glad you're joining with us. Reach out to us. Reach out to us. I think I made a mistake there. 
Marriage and Family Clinic. I'm getting excited here. Reach out to us. Send me an email at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Send me an inbox message on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges. You'll find me there. Look up on iTunes, Bishop Hodges, and you'll find these podcasts. You can listen in again if you need to hear something. Whatever you do, let me know that you're listening to us. Uh, let me know what subjects you would like for us to discuss. If you got questions, send those to us. If you feel like I'm wasting time, let me know that also. I just need to hear from from you. All right. All right. Let's get on with these principles now. That's four. Let's go to principle number five. Principle number five. It's crucial one. Debt compromises your whole life. Debt compromises your whole life. Proverbs 22 and 7 says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. We shouldn't be too quick to go into debt. Remember a few minutes ago, I talked about the one who agreed to pay a lot of money every month for a whole lot of months in order to buy a car? Well, that's probably not the best idea. Definitely not the best idea. We have to learn to live within our means and apply sound money principles to the purchases that we make. We have to discipline ourselves. We cannot be so hungry to keep up with the Joneses. We cannot be so emotionally attached to things. We cannot believe so much so that our lives amount to the things that we possess, that we are so intent on accumulating stuff that we go into debt. Stay out of debt. Debt is not your friend. Debt is a fearsome foe. We've got to discipline ourselves and learn to live within and not only within our means, but below our means so that we can save and invest. I told you a couple of weeks ago, debt is not a friend. Debt is a fearsome foe and debt will rule and ruin your life if it's not controlled. I love how Dave Ramsey on his show, he believes strongly in paying for life as you go. Pay for life as you go. Pay only cash for everything. And I mean everything. And some of us are determined that we need a credit card. And I'm not preaching against credit cards. I'm preaching for money control. But I like Dave. He says cash is king. And that's a great approach. I have to admit that, that you know, I use credit cards myself. But I have it under control. And if you do use a credit card, don't charge everything available. Your credit limit is not the amount of money you have. That's the amount of money that you can obligate yourself to repay. And when you obligate yourself to repay your credit limit and then start paying the minimum amount due at a high interest rate, you can spend the rest of your life paying off credit card debt. And so many people get into trouble because they cannot control credit card spending. Some people charge merchandise and then go straight home and pay the bill online. That's a good way to function if you can discipline yourself to do that. If you, if you want financial freedom, stay out of debt. Debt-free living releases you from a lot of cares, a lot of burdens. Debt-free living allows you to rest easier at night because you don't have to walk the floor. You don't have to have nightmares about the great, the vast amount of debt that you're in. Debt-free living is a blessing for real. 
You know, I also like how people will go on Dave Ramsey's radio program to do their debt-free screen. I hear people paying off fifty, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars in one year, two years, three years. They pay that money off because they want it badly. They eat beans and rice, Dave said. They they don't go out, they don't go to the movies, they don't buy new things, they don't buy clothes every month, they don't try to keep they don't have fashion names, they don't buy the in things. They live on meager means in order to get out of debt. And when debt has you conquered, you can come out. But the question is, how badly do you want it? There is a way to get out of debt and a way to stay out of debt. But how bad do you want it? And I listen to those people when they do their debt-free screams, and I mean they are excited. They'll bring the children in, and they'll tell Dave how they, they came out of a great amount of debt. They paid off all of this money, $100,000 in one or two years. We didn't eat much, and, and we worked double jobs, and we worked overtime, and we pulled in everything, and, and so forth and so on. And then their countdown, five, four, three, two, one, and then they'll shout, we're debt-free! They're shouted to the top of their lungs because they feel good being out of debt. And I'm guaranteeing you, you'll feel good when you get out of debt because debt is a burden. It's a heavy burden. It's a burden that compromises your whole life. Don't fall into that pattern of spending money you don't have to buy things you don't need to impress people you don't even know or like. Stay out of debt. All right, principle number six, know the purpose of money. Know the purpose of money. Again, if you want to rehear these, you can go to the podcast, look for it on iTunes. Uh, we'll be uploading it tonight after the program. Uh, look for us, Bishop Carl Hodges or Bishop Hodges, either one of those. You can replay it as many times as you want. And I hope you do because you need to operate by these guiding principles. Principle number six, know the purpose of money. Isaiah 55 and 19 says, God gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. If we apply this truth to our finances, if we understand it, the analogy here, if we understand the illustration here, here's how it goes. God gives us finances so that we can support ourselves, that's bread, and then put some up and give some away, that's seed. Don't make the mistake of eating all your seed. Don't make the mistake of spending all your money on stuff. We live on some. We invest some and we give some away. We live on some, we invest some and we give some away. We live on some, we invest some and we give some away. God expects that much of us. The purpose of money is not for us to keep up with the Joneses. The purpose of money is not to enable us to stick our chest out because we bought a new car or we bought a new house. The purpose of money is not for us to always go in debt buying something brand new. The purpose of money is not to feed our human egos. If that's what you think the purpose is, you'll never have enough money.
You'll never be content with the things that you have. You'll always be chasing the dollar. You'll always be trying to get more. You'll never know the peace that comes with having God in front. You'll never enjoy the pleasures that life can bring. If you don't live the real purpose of money, you'll spend more than you have on yourself only. Let me say that again. If you don't know the real purpose of money, you're going to spend more than you ought to, and you're only going to be spending on yourself. The purpose of money is to take care of yourself, support the Lord's work, and give to others. Take care of yourself, support the Lord's work, and give to others. All right? Listen, I, I, I want to go on here. And uh, uh, but I'm, I'm trying to make the best out of the time that I have left. Uh, let me just recap something here. Let me go over the principles that we've covered thus far. Principle number one, you got to establish guiding principles. If you don't have a plan, you're planning to fail. You have to establish guiding principles. You've got to operate by law with your finances. All right. Principle number two, money and material things. Those are not the blessing. Money and material things. I don't care how big your house is. That's not the blessing. The blessing is the relationship with God wherein you receive the wherewithal to get the house. Celebrate the relationship with God. Celebrate that and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, and everything else will be added to you. All right. All of your clothes, your money, what you're going to eat, where you're going to go, where you're going to end up. All of that will take care of itself as long as you seek first the kingdom of God. So principle number two, money, material things, that's not the blessing. Principle number three, I'm a steward, not an owner. Wow. You ought to wake up every morning and say, I'm a steward, not an owner. Whenever you go shopping, I'm a steward, not an owner. Whenever you're looking through the magazine or shopping online, I'm a steward and not an owner. God owns everything and what you have, God has entrusted to you. Please keep it in mind. I'm a steward and not an owner. And every steward must give an account. You're going to be called into accountability. So get ready, get ready, get ready. You're going to have to tell God how and why you dealt with your money the way that you did. So get ready for that. Think about that. You got to tell God about it. And principle number four, be determined to honor God with the goods he entrusted to you. Remember Proverbs 3 and 9 says, honor the Lord with your substance and first fruit of your increase. Whatever that means today, at least it means everything coming to you Put God first when you go to deal with it. Whether you're taking care of yourself, whether you're spending on yourself, whether you're giving to the Lord's work, whether you're giving to charity, whether you're giving to a homeless person, whether you're giving to a person who has a sign around their neck standing on the corner, remember God first and live a life, handle finances that the Lord has blessed you with. Handle the money that God has entrusted into your care. Handle it in a way that allows you to become a big time giver. And remember, 
if you knowing God doesn't have a heavy, heavy, strong impact on the way you deal with money, you'd better ask yourself whether or not you really know God. Knowing God has to influence how we handle money. So remember, be determined to honor God with the goods that he has entrusted into your care. And then all important, the all important principle of debt, debt compromises your whole life, your whole life. Hear me here, your whole life. I pray that I never have to use a payday loan facility where we begin to advance our money. Come near payday, we can't wait to payday. And some of us live from paycheck to paycheck. And some of us can't even stretch our finances that far because we're too compromised by debt. Learn to live below your means. Learn to live within your means. Put something up. Give to the Lord's work. Give to charity. Put something up. Give to the Lord's work. Give to charity. Stay out of debt. Debt is a fearsome foe. Debt will rock your world, ruin your world, rule your world. The borrower is slave to the lender. You know, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And one thing we should understand from that is that we are more blessed when we're giving than when we're receiving. When I'm in a position to be a giver, I'm more blessed than when I'm in a position to need to be given to. So stay out of debt. And the other principle, the last principle that we cover tonight, know the purpose of money. I can't stress it enough. God gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. You have finances to take care of yourself, give to the Lord's work, and give to others. Take care of yourself, give to the Lord's work, and give to others. Listen, I've spent a lot of time tonight just talking about how to think and feel and act about money, and we're not even done with the principles yet. We haven't even discussed investing and other facets of money. There's a reason for that. If you handle money without applying wise principles to what you're doing, you're going to end up broke. You're going to lose the money game. This has been the problem for so many of us for so long. And this is why money is at the root of so many divorces, broken relationships, broken homes, because people apply emotions. People deal with money based on emotions. They're driven and led by emotions rather than God-based principles. And anytime emotions rule in anything, you'll end up losing. So don't rule by emotion. Govern your finances, govern your personal finances, family finances, marital finances by sound biblically based principles. Allow principles to guide you and not emotions. Listen, we're out of time tonight, uh, but I want to appreciate you for joining with us tonight at Marriage and Family Clinic. We're going to be here every Tuesday evening at 6 to 6.30 p.m. in the Hampton Roads area. You can locate us at WGPF 1350 on your AM dial. On the Internet, you can find us at www.wgpl1350.com or www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. It's a joy to have you and be with you. I hope we encourage you on tonight. Listen, remember, email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com or just inbox me on Facebook. Let me know that we made a difference. Let me know if I'm wasting time. Whatever the case may be, let us know.
All right. Been good being with you. We'll see you this time next week. Until then, remember, you can't have peace without surrendering your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out.